imagine you are in the perspective of God. You can see every single destination and beginning and every single which way turn that we could possibly make. But you are not behind the wheel. We decide if we go, when we go, and what turns we make along the way and where we end up. You know, we start every episode with a dad joke, and I have always loved dad jokes even before I was a dad, um, you know, before I had kids, which I guess that makes me a faux pas. That was a French dad joke right there, y'all. That was great. Uh, Episode 128, welcome. So good to have you back or with us for the first time. If you're a first-time listener or you haven't yet done so, please rate and review this podcast. It'd be really great uh, leaving a rating and a review that helps other people find it. But the best way uh, you can uh, compliment this podcast is to share it with your friends and family. If you do so on social media, please tag us at Thought on Instagram or at ManaF4T on Twitter. And make sure you visit our website, manafoodforthought.com, which has all of our content. You can comment on everything, view everything from all the way back to the beginning. And you can get connected to our social media and become a patron for as little as $1 a month because it does cost money to produce this podcast. And we'd love to have your support and patrons get perks. So thank you for all of you who support this podcast, for listening, and for being here right now where you are. And yeah, let's get into Joy Junk Jesus. So uh, my joy... Well, first of all, I'm pre-recording this because my joy is that I'm going to be traveling a bunch, um, you know, with friends. Um, We have a family wedding uh, on Erica's side of the family this coming weekend. Um, And then I'm going to be in Las Vegas with some of my guy friends for someone's birthday. Then I'm coming back and the family's going to the Catholic Answers Conference. And um, yeah, and I have RCIA and different events at church on the Sundays in between all of that. So we're going to be all over the place for about... um, nine days, which will be pretty cool. So, uh, and pretty crazy. So that's kind of my junk is that it will be a lot of traveling and non-routine things mixed in with the stuff that is routine with our work schedules and Hannah's new school schedule and us trying to get to the gym and all of that. And, um, yeah, so pray for us, but I'm sure it will all be joyful and great and, um, pray for me. I'm going to be flying to Las Vegas because driving there is awful. Um, but I do get flight anxiety. So if you could please just, uh, help me out with that send a brother a prayer. I'd appreciate it. And, um, and my Jesus moment, you know, I, I, as I'm recording this in advance, you know, I don't really know what it's going to be, but I, I just want, like, I appreciate the fact that these non-routine oriented things that are all coming up in the coming week or and a half or so are all the types of things that I'm really going to remember in the end. You know, I'm not really going to remember the routine and all the stuff I do week in, week out. That's the same. And yet, I can kind of obsess about that stuff more than the non-routine things, and I really don't need to. I can really be better at letting go of that stuff because it doesn't really matter in the end. You know, what matters in the end is the 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 spontaneous life event things that happen all in the middle. So, yeah, um, and that I guess kind of somewhat segues into the um, the topic for this episode. Not going to be too long, but someone asked me a really great question. Um, this past week, and and I don't know if we've done an episode on it before, or at least not in a very long time, but the question basically had to do with like free will and determinism, okay? And determinism is one of a number of different versions of the idea that um, everything, all events that happen, including our human actions, they're ultimately determined by things outside of our free will. So you can be deterministic in terms of like everything is a cosmic accident and we have no control over the forces that are already at work in nature. Um, We're just acting 
as a result of the you know chaotic combination of chemicals and history that we have in our minds and we don't have any free will. Um, but when it really comes into theology for the purpose of this podcast is if God is real and he is all-knowing and he created us knowing every decision that we would make, do we really have free will? Because he already has a plan in place. Um, and so, like, what is that about? Do we, can we really make free action if he can already anticipate those actions and use them for his plan? And even, you know, kind of pre-plan the actions that we don't know or have not yet planned for ourselves, if that makes sense. So that's where this kind of problem of free will comes in. Um, and so I really want to point to, there's just one particular passage in the book of wisdom that I think is very helpful here. And that is in wisdom chapter one. It starts in verse 13. It goes all the way to the end of chapter two. There's a whole big section that I think is really helpful to read, but I'm just going to read a little from the beginning, uh, or a little chunk from the beginning and then the very last part of it. So this is wisdom chapter one, starting in verse 13. And it says, God did not make death, nor does he rejoice in the destruction of the living. For he has fashioned all things that they might have being, and the creatures of this world are wholesome. There is not a destructive drug, a drug among them, nor any domain of Hades on earth, for righteousness is undying. It was the wicked who with hands and words invited death, considered it a friend, and pined for it, made a covenant with it, because they deserve to be allied with it. And then it goes on and ends in chapter 2, verse 24. But by the envy of the devil, death entered the world, and they who are allied with him experience it. So why do I quote this when talking about free will? When you talk about free will, often the conversation comes up like, why does God let certain things happen? You know, um, bad things happen to, to good people, etc. And you get in the, the, the whole kind of conversation about will and God's will and what he's actually doing, what he's allowing to happen, why he allows certain things to happen. So... First, when it comes to free will, on God's part, there is a difference between God knowing something is going to happen and causing something to happen, okay? So an example of this is, I know that the sun is going to come out tomorrow, but I do not cause it to come out tomorrow simply because I know that, okay? And that's an important distinction. Just because God knows everything is going to happen does not mean that he is causing it, okay? We still have the free will to choose it. So the image I use of free will is... Imagine like Google Maps, okay, or Apple Maps or whatever your favorite Maps app is. Imagine you are in the perspective of God. You can see every single destination and beginning and every single which way turn that we could possibly make. But you are not behind the wheel. We decide if we go, when we go, and what turns we make along the way and where we end up. And if we decide at some point, like God in his infinite goodness and wisdom, always reaches out to us, always is seeking us. You can think of that as road signs. Like these are, there are certain laws and directions we should drive and that, you know, God is recommending to us, but we can disobey them. You know, it'll be destructive and um, illegal, but um, we can, we have the freedom to choose that if we want to. But if you invite God, you know, into your life and you want to know his plan and his destination, uh, that's like having a GPS, and when you make a wrong turn, you go to confession that reroutes you back to the right turn. Okay. So that's how I see like God views every possible decision we could make. And he knows all the decisions we could make. And he has a plan in place that can incorporate any one of those decisions, good or bad. And so everything that we do, whether it's good or bad, God can use to bring about good, even more good. Even if it's something totally evil, something totally evil happened in the world or happens in the world. God can use it to bring about an even greater good 
than would have existed without it. I mean, that's just part of the mercy of God. Now, does that mean that that thing needed to happen? No, absolutely not. Remember, God created us in the Garden of Eden, where no sin, no death needed to happen. It did not exist, okay? But in order to love us, in order to create us perfectly out of love and allow us to love him freely in return, we need to have the ability to make a free choice. I cannot force someone to love me. I cannot. I could not force my wife to marry me at the altar. She needed to have a free choice. And because we have a free choice, we can choose God or we can choose to sin. We can choose to turn away from him. And so God did not create death, as it says in wisdom, nor does he rejoice in the destruction of the living. He is not one who causes anything evil, negative, destructive to happen. We do. By virtue of the fact that sin entered the world, that is the source of all human suffering, death, and destruction. Even things like natural disasters, like we live now in a fallen world that is no longer perfect because of the way that sin affects all of us. We know that we are one part of a body of Christ, so if we do something good, it affects everyone else in a, neg- in a good way. If we do something bad, it affects everyone else in a negative way, whether we perceive that or not. But it also affects part of the fact that we are part of the created order, that we are in dominion over creation. And when we do certain things, it affects the created order. It affects creation. And in the same way, um, the devil and the demons were originally angels. They needed to be part of God's plan of creation. And so they were also given a choice freely to love God or to reject him. The only difference is they needed to make that choice once and for all, because once they made it, God had to rely on the fact that they would be permanently tied to his creative acts so that their role would continue to sustain creation and whatever it was, you know, in the goings on of the universe. And so when the enemy and his demons fell, that was a permanent decision. There's no redemption available for them. And that, like in the laws of physics, and every action has an equal and opposite reaction created the reality of separation from God that never existed before. So God, it'd be a logical fallacy or, you know, a, a paradox to say something like God created hell because God cannot create anything that is separated from himself. You know, I cannot create something that is not, you know, not near me or part of me or like that I have not, I don't have any fingerprint on, you know, it's just not possible. It doesn't make any, any tangible sense. So God couldn't create hell. So hell exists because separation from God exists and the only people that can create separation from God are creatures or angels other than God. We are the ones who can separate ourselves from him. God cannot separate himself from himself. It doesn't make any sense. So we created the reality of hell, or you could say the devil created the reality of hell based on his disobedience and rebellion against God. And thus the ability um, to sin enters the world anytime free will is offered because you need free will in order to love. And so when God created the Garden of Eden, the devil was obviously a, a being that already existed now at this point and allowed for temptation to enter uh, because God will not intervene to prevent us from sinning unless we ask for his help. But he will not intervene to overcome our free will. He will not force us to choose something, even if it's good, because then it really wouldn't be loving. It really wouldn't be our free choice. And eventually we would resent him. We wouldn't feel the freedom that we're meant to have uh, as the people he created us to be. Um, It's the same thing with like helicopter parenting. 
You know, like I can intervene left and right for my children to help them make decisions that I believe are best for them. And even if I were all knowing and knew exactly what was best for them, they would still not develop into the people they're created to be because they would have no autonomy, no independence, no sense of security or self-sufficiency, no self-confidence. They would always be relying on me and have no ability to make a choice on their own. And so that wouldn't be a loving thing to do. And God is a loving creator. He's the embodiment of love itself. And so we need to have free will. It requires a choice. And so God may know everything that we are going to do, and he may allow us to make wrong turns, but he will always then incorporate them into his greatest, into a greater good, uh, the greatest possible good that he can, um, and will turn those things for good. And he will continue fighting that cycle of sin, destroying us, working for evil. He will continue to find a way to bring that back into his plan and uh, work it for good. So you can imagine like, um, how would I imagine, how would I, I'm imagining like, you know, those old uh, reams where you can make like, um, you know, woolen tapestries or whatever on them. And the God has made this like woolen tapestry. And the moment he finishes it, it begins to unravel because of sin. And what he does is he immediately starts bringing all those pieces back into a new ream. And just as it unravels, and it's this endless tapestry, as it unravels, he just finds a way for every loose string to fold back into a new creation. And there's just constantly like unraveling, re-raveling, unraveling, re-raveling kind of action going on and relationship between sin and destruction on our part and the part of the evil one and, and between God and his desire to unify and redeem and reconcile us and make us whole again and bring about good. So there's a difference between God's active will and his passive will. God, his active will is he is freely choosing to act and do something. Like he is intervening in some way. He is creating, he is acting, he is blessing, whatever that is. When God is operating in his active will, only good comes from it. God can only do good. His passive will are the things that he lets happen. He does not cause, but he lets happen. He lets evil happen because he respects our free will and our choice. And he will not intervene and make us autonomous love robots because that would impede our free will and it wouldn't be real love. And he does not remove all suffering from the world because it's a result of our free choice. But also, if the world didn't have difficulty, we wouldn't be able to appreciate the good. Uh, if it didn't have difficulty, we wouldn't have things like sacrifice, bravery, you know, uh, real authentic sacrificial love, uh, you know, things like that. And so there, there is also a, um, a wisdom there that in one sense, like when Paul says where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more and almost has this kind of thanksgiving for sin because when sin happens, the grace of God abounds even more. God uses it for greater good uh, if we allow him to. It helps us, you know. Um, he says, oh, happy fault, you know, it helps us recognize like, wow, when I sin, it reminds me that I need a savior. Like every God ha in his infinite wisdom and in his plan, no matter what happens, no matter what evil befalls, no matter what bad choices we may make, um, always orients them toward the good. So in one sense, you could say that determinism in a Catholic view is true in the sense that God has predetermined to always act for our greatest possible good, no matter what happens. God will always act for our greatest possible good. But our choices are not predetermined. God can see every possibility and every choice that we can and will make. And he will try and he will use any of those, any and all of them, 
to bring about our greatest possible good, but we get to choose. And just by virtue of the fact that he knows doesn't change the fact that we get to choose to do it. I may know that the sun is coming up tomorrow, but I cannot change whether it does. I do not cause it to come up. I just know that it will. And I can make certain plans based on that. Just like we all know, like, if we know people well enough, we can be like, yeah, that person's probably going to make that bad decision. You know, like, we just kind of know. You know, God has just an infinitely higher version of that for everyone. He has a, a foreknowledge of everything that we 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 are, everything that we could do, everything that we will do. But when he created us, even if he knew that we would make wrong decisions and end up separated from him, he still seeks to work for our good and our redemption and would rather create us out of love to experience even some glimmer of goodness and love in this life because that is far better than never having been created. There's this value in the dignity of human life, this value in the dignity of love, and even experiencing it in the midst of suffering that we cannot live without, that we cannot go without. And so many people in this world don't understand that because they think that a good life is a life that's comfortable and without pain or suffering. And I wonder what would happen if everyone who wanted that actually got it. I think they'd realize how boring, loveless, mundane, unexciting that kind of life is. Because there'd be no room for sacrificial friendships or relationships. So you'd, utter, you'd be alone in a sea of acquaintances with no real aspirations, goals, or um, passions or excitement. And that just sounds awful. So do we have free will? Yes. That's why we have free will. How God created the world gave us a free choice and how God's will interacts with our will. But just because God knows what will happen and what can happen does not mean that he causes it. He gives us the choice. And we always have a choice. And today you have a choice to follow him or to turn away from him. So it's a reminder for you and for me to ask the question, what will I do? How can I make the next right choice to be the person God created me to be, to not use the sufferings of this life or habitual sin or difficulties that I'm experiencing as an excuse to make bad decisions? but to recognize God is always doing something. And so when you experience some difficulty, some anxiety, worry, even death, loss, grief, or suffering, to ask the question like, what is God doing in this? Because he is working. It wasn't his will for you to, to have that. His will for you was the Garden of Eden, perfect life with him in unity. That's what he wanted. But now he's on plan quadruple, you know, three trillion Z, and he's constantly trying to rewrite, rewrite, remake a new plan and he is remaking a new plan with every sin, with every bad decision that happens each and every day. Finding a way to continue to work toward that final goal of being unified with all of us in heaven for all eternity. As many of us that choose that for ourselves. Um, but he desires it for every single one of us. He says God wills all men to be saved. And so let us live like we desire that too. And to recognize we have a God that's not fighting against us, but is fighting for us, always working for our greatest possible good. And that is something to glory in. That is all I have for you this week. I'm praying for you. Please pray for me. And until next time, I will see you in the Eucharist. God bless.